Hey Pip, have you seen this? What? Hey Amanda, have you heard that? What? Hey, have you been there, Jacinta? You're listening to the live podcast from Shire Pod, and we are keeping you connected to the Sutherland Shire community with this roaming podcast coming from a cafe near you. Good morning. I am your host, Nicole. And I'm your host, Jay. And if you're listening to this live podcast on the Podbean app, let us know where you are listening from in the Sutherland Shire or around the world. This podcast is bringing you the good news, the entertainment, events, weather and local sporting inside the Sutherland Shire. And if you're listening to the replay of this podcast, we have no doubt that this is going to be one of those conversations that you wish you'd listened to online before. Because you can listen live to this podcast on the the live Podbean app. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and leave a comment on shypod.podbean.com. We know that you know when you cross those bridges over the Georges River and Alfred's Point or drive under the waterfall overpass, you're home. And despite everything that is going on in the world, this is where it's all happening. We acknowledge that the ground that we're um, on up Uh, that we're broadcasting from today is from the Jurawal people and in particular a special place that is honoured as sacred to its caretakers here. And this is episode 10 and today we are at the Tea House at Camellia Gardens. And can I just say that we actually published this week that there have been uh, nine podcasts so far hosted weekly from local cafes around the Southern Shire, which started as a community initiative to bring the sounds and vibe of the cafe to the earbuds of those in lockdown and has become a web of connection. And we have curated over 12 and a half hours of conversation that we have uh, touch-pointed with over 433 businesses. We've conducted over 50 interviews with supported 12 charities and we've had five different hosts. So congratulations, Nicole. (laughs) Thank you. First time. (laughs) Training wheels. (laughs) So if you've missed any of our previous podcasts, please feel free to log on to our website or log on to wherever you listen to podcasts and search for ShyPod and check out the previous Been There podcasts. And over the last nine weeks, we've been visiting local cafes around Sutherland Shire focused on those that sell the best coffee, my favourite thing. (laughs) But here at the Tea House, you won't find just the perfect cup of coffee. You'll also find the perfect cup of tea because, of course, our lovely host today, Julie, who owns the Tea House, is an officiato, I didn't know if I was going to get that out, of tea. (laughs) I I can't wait to hear more about that. And this week we're absolutely pumped to be focusing on heart health. We have special guest Wendy Maluli, who is a clinical nurse consultant at Southern Hospital Awareness and Cardiac Support, working to help those that have had a heart event and the rehab afterwards. We also have Miranda Crowther-Jones from Miranda Writes, who on her blog shares her heart transplant journey and becoming a mother through egg donation and surrogacy. And Dylan is talking to 10-year-old Cooper on his heart journey for her junior sports report this week. And we'll also be talking about heartbreak and heartbeat, which is uh, looking at the emotional side of our heart health, and I'll be diving into that a little bit later on. And we've also got Matt Harrison from AFS Group, who will be joining us to discuss his own heart event and how his business can help others when someone you know is having a heart event. 
AFS is also finalist this year in their category of educational services in the local business awards and uh, were the winner in their category last year. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, this community initiative is brought to you by the local business awards who's recognising those businesses that have provided an excellent customer service going above and beyond. When we look at Caringbar, we're looking at a massive 42 businesses that have achieved a finalist position in their categories. We'll be spotlighting them in this podcast and we'll be posting a list of those amazing recipients of the finalist position of the Shire Local Business Awards in the Shire notes of today's podcast. As you know, we're keeping up to date with the awards night for the Local Business Awards and we wish all the finalists good luck. And some of our favourites include Bangs and Whiskers Hair Salon, I love that name, who are also members of the Shire Women Group. Some of the other finalists in Caringbar are in education services. Uh, we're lucky enough to have owner of AFS Group, Matt Harrison, who is also the winner last year. And in automotive services, we have Auto Craze Caringbar, Bold Trailer and Caravan Repair Centre, Southern Sydney Mechanical and the Subi Doctor. And Simple Simon Pies and Cakes are finalists in the bakery and cake shop category. In beauty, we have Bliss Day Spa, Indiana Night Makeup, Purple Puff Now, sounds like a place I need to go, <laughs> and The Bridal Bar. And, of course, check out The Bridal Bar's office with Southside Local 2. The amazing team at The Beauty Bank has been awarded a finalist position in the Community Services Group. So Peter Pan Kindergarten in Child Care Serv- Centres. Maths Words, Not Squiggles and Step-by-Step Learning are the other finalists in the Education Services category. And our friends at NGR Accounting are in the Professional Services category. And Cross Realty and Newtown, uh, sorry, Newton Real Estate, Dave's going to be upset with me getting that wrong, (laughs) are the local favourites for the real estate category. And there are plenty more which we will be sure to share in the show notes. We'd also like to thank WordStyler for our content uh, Word Style Love, our content creator, Daydream Creative for our socials, Shy Foodies and Southside Local for their support. We're encouraging people to join Southside Local membership. It's using digital wallet technology to help keep you connected with the local businesses of the Shire. And let's have a look at a little bit of history in relation to where we're sitting today. So as you know, we touched a little bit on Caring Bay history the other week when we were at Vitalos and discussing the origin story of Lily Billy. And Caringbar is 24 kilometres south of the CBD. Originally, Caringbar encompassed all the areas under the 2229 postcode. So that is Tarran Point, Port Hacking, Lilypilly, Dolans Bay and Caringbar South. Caringbar is, the, is an Aboriginal word from the Kumbinjar language, meaning Padmelian Wallaby, although it was originally called Highfield. Ah, that's where the pub gets the name from. Yep. All right, so Caringbar was accessible from 1911 and after the steam trams began operating between Sutherland and Cronulla and the Holt family owned most of the land and stretched from Sutherland to Cronulla in the 1860s. The area around Miranda and Caringbar was used for market gardening from the 1880s. Caringbar was still used for orchards and farming until after World War II. The rail line to Cronulla opened in 1939. Ah. So it didn't take long for the infrastructure to start supporting the growing population and the Sutherland District Hospital located 
on the Kingsway was opened in 1958. The first patient was admitted on the 21st of April 1958 and the first baby born in the maternity ward was on the 22nd of April 1958. Makes me wonder whether that first patient admitted was the mother, but I'd like <laughs> to check likely. that. <laughs> <laughs> and so with a redevelopment in 1984, a $20 million project added a new 30-bed children's ward, a 30-bed psychiatric ward, and new operating theatre suites and a new de- departments in physiotherapy, social work and radiography. Now the Southern Hospital is a 375-bed major metro hospital, which is also used as a teaching hospital with University of New South Wales. Yes, yeah, I'm just double-checking my facts there. We got a nod. <laughs> as a reference from last week, the motto for Southern Hospital is Endeavour to Serve, which is in direct reference to Captain Cook's ship, which arrived in 1770. Ah, interesting stuff. And so we're currently sitting in Caringbar at the Tea House in Camellia Gardens. It's actually where I had my daughter's naming day or christening 11 years ago in this very room. So it's such a beautiful spot. And um, the E.G. Waterhouse National Camellia Gardens was a project that commenced under the 1970 Captain Cook Bicentenary Program named for Professor Eben Gowrie Waterhouse. And during the COVID lockdown, it has celebrated its 50th anniversary. There are four areas of the gardens here, the gazebo, the duck pond, the rose garden and the top gardens. My favourite sections are the duck pond lawn where my mum loved to visit and the census garden located just left of the lower car park entry where the council maintains a garden which is full of colours and smells which are safe to touch. There's actually a lot of herbs in this section too. Ah, beautiful. And uh, on good days, you can see all the wildlife in here too. You could probably hear it in the background right now. And uh, from the birds and the flying foxes and insects, including dragonflies. There's also space for family events with barbecues at the bottom of the gardens, weddings and high teas right here in the tea house. And we're lucky enough to be joined by Julie Hensby, who owns and runs the tea house. Because she's been making us beautiful coffees all morning. Yeah, I'm just going to take my first sip now. <laughs> just enjoy that. So, Julie, can I ask, let's talk tea. You have a passion for tea. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes, I've got a, a brand that I've developed myself called Tea With Love and I probably started that about two years ago but I have been here for 16 years so developing my passion and love for tea over those years. But, uh, yeah, I've developed my own little range of tea now that I sell here at the Tea House. So what are the names of all these teas? Oh, I've, I've chosen sort of Disney names, which I'll probably have to change eventually if I want to sell them outside the tea house. But just things like, um, well, it's Winnie the Pooh and the honey bush. So I just got Winnie and the honey bush because it's a beautiful um, honey bush plant that I use with rose and vanilla. That's, that's one of the top sellers. Uh, Bluebell is another favourite. Um, there's Mad Hatter. Uh, trying to remember snow white and seven peaches <laughs> but <Cute>. they're all <laughs> favorites people love them I mean I sell other teas as well but this my range just tops up the range and there's something unique and exclusive here available at the tea house beautiful I bet the the mums and their daughters love coming here and having little high tea oh, sessions I love that. that's really special when you see that yeah yeah you see lots of mums and daughters here lots of people celebrating just bring it's a special place to bring family and friends yes sure. yep I remember it well so with yep. COVID, you've been um, busy with takeaway meals as well, which has been great too. Yeah, oh yeah. So yeah. you do the 
the high tea as a takeaway at the moment? Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been busy with those. Um, Charlie, who's also here with me today, the chef, we um, worked together the whole COVID time and just keeping the doors open basically just for takeaway and people passing and the local community coming in and saying hello to me and keeping me going, which was, which was a real blessing. But, yeah, the high teas, we developed that Mother's Day was amazing. Um, we just did so many Mother's Day takeaway high tea packages. It, was, it blew us away and they've wow. been popular since then. People ring up and just organise a, a takeaway home high tea, which is really lovely. And we can lend you the stands and the china if you need it as well. Oh, sounds gorgeous. Yeah. I absolutely love your collection of china. Oh, I know. It's the best. <laughs> and if you are getting rid of your china and you're listening to this oh. and you want it to go to a nice safe home, mm. feel free Bring to it donate down. it down here. Great idea. We love it. We love it. And people do love it. They, and it's a special thing. People always check which china they've got and because uh, there's lots of really unique pieces here as well. But unfortunately it does get broken from time to time so we do have to keep because we use it every single day. It's not sitting in a china cabinet and uh, it does get used so we always have to replenish it. So can I ask, you do a lot of support for the local community as well. Oh, yeah. So yeah. what kind of events and community groups do you focus on? Um, well, over the years it's sort of um, oh, it's changed because I've been here for 16 years, there are just so many that we've had supported over the years. But at the moment we do have a, a breast cancer support group that meet here once, um, a, once a month um, and uh, that we have, have had fundraisers in the past. We're quite supportive of any fundraiser that want, people want to come and have a high tea fundraiser on the balcony. We reduce the price and donate half the cost of that to the fund. So we do – anyone who wants to have um, a particular uh, – uh, event here, we do support them quite a lot. And, and schools, we'd always support them and we always are giving away high tea vouchers and Devonshire tea vouchers for local charities as well. Fantastic. Now that sounds brilliant. Always good to, um, yeah, to bring awareness to what you do because I didn't know that and I live just around the corner yeah, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, um, Mother's Day I probably would have done that for myself if oh, I had known. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds great. So. So what else is happening here? Um, I was just going to say as far as like charity goes, I suppose one thing I, I suppose is my heart here mm. and, and Charlie and all else, everyone here has the same heart of welcoming everybody in the community and um, just wanting to bless people when they come in and they, we treat people as friends rather than customers and uh, we Beautiful. get to know them quite a lot. And unfortunately over the years, like my very first customer, when I walked in here 16 years ago, she passed away about 15. 10 years ago and I did her wake for her, which was really sad for me because I was emotionally attached to her. But now her family who live in the Central Coast still come and visit me all the time. So that's the sort of links yeah. that we have here in the community. The one heart. Um, yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah, it's beautiful. And people come here, oh, if I could have a dollar for everyone who said to me that their grandchildren or their children or their mother brought them here, I would be a very rich woman because <laughs> so many people over the generations have come here with their grandparents and then bring their children along. It just seems to go on and on and on and people just come here and just, yeah, blown away. It's just such an institution in the local shire. We're just so yeah. lucky to have it. Well, here's to many more. Thank you. Yeah. I was just going to say, Nicole, you just said that you had your daughter's naming day here. My, I actually, my mum used to live across the street when she was growing up, literally across the street, and she used to walk through here to go to Laguna Street Public School. Public School, right. Yeah. So when mum passed away, we actually had her wake here too, which was so beautiful. and. All her family, because they lived across the street and this was all their local area, yeah, just sat here and reminisced. It was really, really great. Oh, it's a beautiful spot. Beautiful spot. Very lucky. So, Charlie, tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been here for three years. Yep. So I started just as the high tea assistant chef 
and um, I was just helping out, making everything for the high teas basically. And on weekends when we were slammed with over 100 high teas, I would be the one that would send them out, make food, make sure everything was perfect for everyone, every single one that went out. Um, and just recently I've um, become the head chef, so I now run the kitchen and that still involves doing all the high tea stuff at the moment, um, but I've got much more control over the menu and um, making pretty much everything that goes into the tea house. That's awesome. Congratulations. Is there something special that you like on the menu that you like to keep? Uh, definitely the scones. That's our, like, signature dish. Um, and I particularly like doing cake, so I love doing all the sweets. Um, basically for the menu it does change quite seasonally, so we do get to change a few things every now and then. So I am more excited to try new things when I'm here and see what the customers like. That's awesome. And yeah. are you the person I need to thank for the carrot cake too? Yes. <laughs> ah, must try that one. It's the best. Uh, you've got to have it with the double the cream. Yeah. Have it with the double cream. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yummy. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us, girls. I really appreciate your time this morning. And thank you for opening up early. For those that don't know, the tea house is actually open from 8 a.m. So we're actually sneaking in quite it's early. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Yeah, sorry. Really got you in. <laughs> really <laughs> snuck in this morning. It's the best time, though, isn't it? Beautiful here. Oh, very it's peaceful. So very oh, serene. Just the birds and butterflies. Just the outlook. Like, mm. it's just you're on the tree line here and you can see the blossom coming through and, uh, you know, fresh air drifting in from the outside. It's just gorgeous. Lovely space. Best time. Yeah. yeah. So today, um, now Caring Bar has the population of 11,685 people. That's as of the 2016 census, by the way, Nicole. Oh, very accurate. Jay? Yes. Very accurate. Yeah, down to the 85. Ah, there you go, to the person, to the digit. <laughs> yes. So Laguna Street Public School, like I said, borders the gardens here, so just on the um, southeastern side of the um, gardens. But the other schools in the area include Caringbar, Endeavour Sports, De La Salle College, Caringbar, Caringbar Public, Caringbar North and Our Lady of Fatima. Ah, so in sport, Caringbar has the netball clubs, the Comets, the Thistles and the Fatima Falcons. And the Caringbar Redback is the local soccer club and there's also a Cronulla Caringbar Rugby League club. And we are wishing them all well this weekend. And talking of sport, with a focus on heart health, Dylan is talking to 10-year-old Cooper about his heart journey and his life and playing sport and doing all activities he loves doing. Today we are here Cooper, a 10-year-old boy who was born with congenital heart diseases. Hi Cooper and thanks for joining us today on the Being There podcast. Hi. Can you tell us about your heart condition so people can understand what actually is? When I was born, I was I had congenital heart disease, and the doctor said I had a thirty percent chance of me passing away. But I luckily survived. 
So have you had to oper to have operations and do other things to improve your heart to live a normal life? I've had four heart surgeries and every morning after breakfast I have two tablets. Wow. So, wow, so many operations when you were so young, does your conditions affect how you live, play with your friends or restrict you in any way now? I play golf and the only thing that um, like affects me is my asthma. You are such an impression do expression. Do you have to be more careful with COVID going around? Um, not so much. So yeah. Um, going. So, what sport or activities do you enjoy doing? Um, I like playing golf with some of my friends and sometimes I like playing basketball in the backyard. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing your personal heart journey with me today. That's okay. <laughs> I'm Dylan Hamer. Have a fab weekend and get outside and enjoy the lovely spring weather. And talking of weather, Dylan, today's weather is looking like we might have a little bit of rain with a 60% chance, although, again, I think the weather's going to make a liar out of me because it's blue out there. It's going to remain warmer with 14 degrees to 21 degrees. Saturday is going to be mostly sunny with 11 to 20 degrees. And Sunday is going to be sunny with a cloudy day with only a 30% chance of rain. But seeing it's also Father's Day, let's call it 70% sunny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you really liked that, didn't you? I did. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So September, health news. Da, da, da. September is a big month for supporting causes. <clears throat> so our own Sullen Show podcast station has a team supporting the Sudsy Challenge where you wear the same clothes for three days. This is supporting Orange Sky. And Orange Sky is a non-profit organisation providing free mobile laundry and shower services to people experiencing homelessness. And the challenge is to wear the same outfit for three days, having a conversation and to raise funds and awareness to support the one in 200 Australians experiencing homelessness. Now, Orange Sky has 31 services across the country. And they support people doing it tough with access to a free laundry, warm showers and, most importantly, a genuine conversation. And by taking part in the challenge, you'll be helping to ensure that everybody has a place where they can feel welcome and connected. And more information, you can access the website at thesudseachallenge.com. Now, our team is participating in this event. Pip is actually wearing the same clothes as yesterday and she's doing it for the whole weekend. So there's four weekends that they are focusing on. It's this weekend from Thursday the 3rd of September to Saturday the 5th of September. And Thursday the 10th of September to Saturday the 12th. 
September? Yeah, Friday the 25th of September through Sunday the 27th. And Friday the 2nd of October to Sunday the 4th of October. Now, like I said, our team is participating this week. People will be posting these details on our Facebook page if you'd like to support them and with photo proof, I believe. Yes, and she's wearing a fabulous top today and for the next two days. <laughs> <laughs> so September is also fundraising for women's mental health. September is Australia's biggest and best virtual 10-kilometre stepping event and we will be hearing more about how Sutherland Hospital's staff are taking up the cause. Nicole, you're also participating in an event today. Can you tell me more about that? Oh, yeah. I'm hiking 30 kilometres today after we wrap this up and uh, I'll be joining my 60-kilometre crew team who are out there in the bush as we speak. So big shout out to the girls and the team at Imbalance Wellness at Caring Bar and some of their members will be raising funds for Beyond Blue to support mental health um, awareness and um, for the the wonderful people out there and the work they do. And uh, I'll be getting my walking shoes on at 10am and I'll be hiking 10, sorry, 30 kilometres with the girls. So that's called the Coast Trek. It's called the Coast Trek. Yes, and thanks to all of my sponsors as well. Really appreciate all the financial support that uh, we've had with that. So whereabouts is that actually going to be located? Where are you walking? So the girls started in the Royal National Park this morning and they were heading down through Audley and up through Grays Point. They'll be coming through by Carring Bar at some time before nine and then we'll be meeting up at the Bass and Flinders Point and then we're going to head down to uh, across the beach through the Kernel National Park, all the way to Kernel, and then back again. That's awesome. Back out to Imbalance Studios or? We'll be, no, we'll be finishing off probably um, at um, Bass and Flinders, I'd say. Then you'll see us collapsing on the ground somewhere there. So if you need a, call, uh, need a lift, give me a call. Yeah, you can be a part of the support team, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> so next week is also Women's Health Week. Uh, next week is supported by Jean House for Women's Health and there are sorry, Australia's leading um, and most trusted women's health organisation. They're a national not-for-profit organisation dedicated to improving women's health. They've got a series of events happening next week and for more information you can visit our show notes. And um, Wendy is from Sharks Sutherland Sutherland Hospital, so S-H-A-R-C-S, Sutherland Hospital, And with all this talk about women and health, we're inviting Wendy Maluloy. Maluli. Maluni, sorry, from Sutherland Hospital. And um, Wendy is a clinical nurse consultant and manager of the Sutherland Hospital Awareness and Cardio Support, which the rehabilitation centre for those that have had a heart event. Now, they support not only the patients but their families in dealing with this event and the life changes that are required post-event. So let's start with the top question, Wendy. What are the risk factors for a heart event? The top ones would be high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, being overweight, and the big one now we're talking a lot about is sedentary lifestyle, so not being physically active. And how do we mitigate these risks moving forward? I know it's a big question. Um, To sum it up, I think the first thing is I'd like people to be aware of the symptoms of heart disease and they can be very subtle and they can be quite major. 
subtle ones um, such as shortness of breath, increasing tiredness, um, and they don't have to be severe symptoms to be um, signs of severe heart disease. I think that's that's something people get wrong. I'm often talking to people about the chest pain they have, may have experienced, but it was so mild I didn't take it seriously. Well, any chest pain we should take seriously. And especially when a lot of people actually sit there and they say, I just thought it was heartburn. That's very common in women in particular. So that's a good question to lead into the next one. So when I had a heart attack, a lot of people said um, I had atypical symptoms of a heart attack. What is the difference between atypical and typical symptoms between men and women? Um, we would be looking at chest pain, chest tightness, chest heaviness, um, but we know that only 40 to 50% of women present that way and, and it's um, often indigestion, like I said, increasing tiredness, fatigue, um, a lot of symptoms around the throat, the jaw area, um, and that can be misdiagnosed quite easily. So we also have Miranda joining us today, so I'm just going to bring her in as well. Um, so Miranda, you're a writer of a blog on Facebook, uh, talking about your life, which you can find under Miranda Writes on Facebook. Uh, you're a heart transplant recipient, you're a mother through egg donation and surrogacy, an advocate and speaker for people that are dealing with heart events and transplant procedures. And you're also a member, which is how I met you, of the Heart Collective, which is a group of pre-menopausal women that yeah. are members of the Heart Foundation. Um, tell me a little bit about your heart journey. Uh, my heart journey, I guess, started um, with the death of my my father. I didn't know that I was going to be affected then, but um, he was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy when I was three days old. Uh, he died when I was 16 months old um, and then at the age of 21, he was told he had a virus and at the age of 21 I ended up in um, a coronary care unit being told that I had cardiomyopathy from the virus as well. Um, for the next four years I uh, just assumed that it was a virus until 2008 when I had genetic testing and it turned out to be a genetic condition. Um, we then looked back a bit further, knowing that my grandmother died at 29 um, and her death certificate also said heart failure. Um, so I remained on a drug regime for close to 11 years before I needed a, a heart transplant. Um, so in 2015 I had a heart transplant at the time that I was told I needed a transplant, I had um, my best friend who was pregnant with my baby at the time and I uh, was well going into a pregnancy and then um, it took me about six months to decline into end-stage heart failure. So I had a heart transplant and a six-month-old baby wow. at the same time. That's huge. Miranda, <laughs> how did you manage? Wow. Um, well, he kept me alive. He kept me going because... You have to get up in the morning to a to a crying baby, so you just got to keep going. And he's now five and a half, and I'm five years post transplant. So uh, actually, he's just reminded me um, we were celebrating my five year anniversary, and I had a balloon at home, a five balloon that had been blown up, and um, and he said, "Oh, is that for me?" And I said, "No, mummy's 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 heart is is five, you know." And, oh. and he said, 
my heart's five too, mum. Happy birthday to my heart. Oh, <laughs> that's gorgeous. And I said, yes, Harry, we both have the same age heart. <laughs> oh. And it's yeah. funny how new life is actually one of those things that pushes your heart to, to be better. Um, mm. My niece was one-year-old um, days after my first stent. Yeah. And I actually attribute it. Um, my fighting spirit to actually I want to see that little girl again and, yes. you know, she kept me going. Yes. And, you know, literally the day after I got out of hospital after my first stent was the first birthday. Mm. So yeah, I, I can fully appreciate how these little bodies yes. encompass so much of your heart. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Totally. Am I melting your heart? Yeah, totally. I think I've got tears in my eyes (laughs) listening to both of you. It's such beautiful, moving stories about heart and, you know, being a yoga teacher and someone who works with empowering people. And I very much work in the space of, you know, emotional well-being and um, emotional empowerment, mental health and um, taking care of ourselves and each other. And like you were saying, Wendy, before, it's about, you know, I know it was someone else was saying about you know the one heart you know I really sort of resonate with that um you know that's connection between all of us yeah you were mentioning that before weren't you yes Julie Julie thank you so many new names yeah so um (laughs) um yeah so that's 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 a really beautiful so tell me I'm really interested to hear Miranda um I'm fascinated actually uh (laughs) to hear from you uh you know, I've heard so many stories about people who've had heart transplants and that, um, you know, they, they sort of um, can feel or they, they have memories of the previous donor. Organ memory? Organ memory, uh, that's it. Yes. A little bit controversial. Yes, it yeah. is controversial. You don't have to answer the question I, if you don't want to. Oh, no, I, I don't know how much science is involved. Um, there's definitely lots of things that you have to get used to um, post transplant um physically one of the big things I had to get used to that I hadn't considered was that I now had a really strong heartbeat uh instead of my bag my heart was apparently like a floppy bag in the end and so my heartbeat wasn't very I was blue I didn't have any circulation um or very minimal um so having a strong heartbeat you can hear it in your ears in the beginning (laughs) And so that was sort of concerning for me. Um, I would get out of the car and the, and the difference between the, the air in the car and then getting out and walking and I would hear that thump, thump, thump and um, I think I still do it but I, I used to put my, my fingers on my pulse in my neck a lot just to make sure that it was still in there, still, still going, hadn't dropped out or anything. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, organ memory, there's a couple of things that happened to me after transplant. Uh, so one was I, I never drank coffee before transplant. That could have been because I was on a fluid restriction too, and I just didn't have space for it. Um, but now I drink coffee every day and it's dramatic if I miss a coffee. Um, <laughs> I hear you. I've also brought up a child, so maybe it's got something to do with parenting. Um, but the other thing is that I used to love tomatoes. I used to be able to eat them like they were apples. I'd, I would cut up a tomato like it was an apple and eat it. And now I'm not a fan of tomatoes, which is a bit sad, but I just don't really 
like them anymore. And I, I wonder if that's got anything to do with my donor or if it's got anything to do with the meds that I live on. Yeah. 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 I have a nurse sitting across from me going, <laughs> yes, <laughs> those acidic tomatoes. Yeah, the medication yeah. plays with your your whole system, so I can completely yeah. understand that. Yeah. Now, you were talking before about the fact that you actually know the transplant recipient of the lungs from the same person yeah, as well. Yeah, I do. We, I do. I, we, we don't usually find out details like that, but um, her name is Mandy and mine's Miranda, so that, you know, that, I think that's very fitting. We're actually born three weeks apart. Um, our mothers first figured it out that something might have been um, you know, we may have been getting organs from the same donor because they were both sitting in uh, the ICU waiting room. Our calls came at the, at the same time. Uh, our operations happened at the same time. We're the same blood type. A lot of coincidences. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we spoke to um, transplant coordinators and they basically said, we're not allowed to tell you anything. You guys can think what you want, you know, like <laughs> you guys can work it out, you know. So we, we, um, oh, we go with that and, and it's lovely and I have a really great bond with her and I have quite a good bond with a few transplant patients and um, we just lost one a couple of days ago and it's really, really, really sad, uh, a mutual friend of ours actually. Yeah. She yeah. was always, even a mum, like both of them were always very welcoming, very positive people mm. so when I first started with the Heart Collective which if it wasn't for Wendy I would never have known about oh, the, okay <clears throat> Wendy actually got me in touch with the Heart Foundation the Heart Foundation then got me in touch with, with the, the collective. Heart Collective yeah um but um yeah that her mum talked to me like I was one of her daughters and made me feel really welcome in the group Karina's mum yeah Karina's mum okay. and then Karina is always like she was always a really really happy smiley person and I always felt comfortable yeah. being around her. Yeah, yeah. She um she was grateful to be alive. Karina um had a heart and double lung transplant and this last year she had hit quite a few roadblocks and um just this past Sunday it was actually my five year anniversary and she decided that she had um had enough. She'd fought for, for too long and she was very empowered and she made some positive decisions for herself and she passed away on Wednesday morning. So, yeah. so sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, that's it's actually okay because um, it was her decision. It was her decision and she lived a really great life and I think as a transplant patient you, you have to accept that nothing is forever. And this is another, I'm going to segue a little bit here because mm. one of the, mm. the things that we've talked about is the fact that you actually talk to the other transplant mm. people and support them through their own journey. Yes. And that's such a strong position to be in with other patients, Miranda. Yeah. I'm, I'm really yeah, stoked I, about that. Um, after my transplant, I, I spoke for the Heart Foundation and the Victor Chang uh, Research Institute. Um, I've also done some work with Lifeblood, which is Red Cross rebranded as Lifeblood. Uh, and I realised that I'm... Just good at talking to people and hearing people. Um, I've sort of fallen into that role of advocate and um, just a speaker and sharer and storyteller and yeah, just you've got a blog. A I, a I was just reading that you've got a blog. Sorry mm. to interject to you there. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, Miranda writes. Uh, it's. I think I started it because it was quite cathartic for me to be able to get things out, um, and I and I just up I updated every so often, uh, and write about um, certain events that happened for me in my life or that are happening right now. Um, I've written um, a big story about um, the day that I got a phone call. That you know that. That transplant phone call, um, yeah, just what it felt like getting ready for a transplant because you don't you don't get much notice. You get two hours, so yeah, it's a very. I was I was mindful to um, document it and remember it, and because it can really slip away from you. It, it's really funny how quickly things move in the cardiac world, though. Mm. Um, when I um, came on board. Um, I, I, it's a really funny story. This I actually had my heart attack on the Tuesday evening, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. I went and saw the doctor on the the Friday, saying that I couldn't breathe. And Mum had had the flu, mm-hmm. and I thought maybe I was having flu symptoms like Mum, because I just attributed my heart attack to a pinched nerve on the Tuesday. Wow! And on the Saturday, well, on the Friday night, my doctor said you need to go to emergency because if it's a blood clot in your lung, you'll need medication and blah blah blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, not a problem. Mum, who by the way was the rock of Gibraltar, never got emotional. Actually, um, she actually was getting frustrated that we couldn't find a parking spot at emergency, and it was when they were doing the renovations over at Sutherland Hospital. And I said, look, just don't stress. It's fine. Yeah, we'll go tomorrow. It's only a blood clot in the lung. The doctor said it's just only. quick and easy. Yeah, mm. it's only. Mm. Yep. And um, rock up at emergency after having my hair done on the Saturday morning. <laughs> so shout out to my amazing hairdresser sister who sat there and did my hair. <clears throat> and instead of being this beautiful purple, I was a more a natural red. Mm. Um, and within 20 minutes of being there in front of the triage nurse, I was being wheeled into the cath lab. Yes. So it, it's really, really mm. quick how mm-hmm. they move, which, mm-hmm. I, I mean, they actually said to me the reason that they move so quickly is because I was 39. But, yeah. So while we're here, let's talk about other heart events. Matt Harrison is also joining us today. Matt, you provide first aid courses, uh, which includes the use of a DFib. But you've also had your own heart event. Can we talk about your heart event? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not nearly as exciting, but um, I was playing uh, touch football up in Coffs Harbour. It was about 40 degrees. We'd had a very big night the night before, as you do on those tournaments. And uh, I took off with the ball and collapsed. My heart had stopped. So it wasn't a heart attack or anything exciting like that. Um, I found out about six months later that I had cardiomyopathy. And because my heart rate had increased to a, a certain level, it stopped. So what saved you? Hitting the ground very, very hard. It dislodged the valve again. Whoa. That's pretty awesome. That's, uh, that's exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drop on the floor very quickly, Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's what you've got to do. You've got to hit the, hit the floor hard. Oh, well, with, uh, being a, a typical male, I thought it was just the, uh, the hangover speaking, so I went off to the sideline for a couple of minutes and went back on. Oh, wow. <laughs> And see, people laugh when I say I went and had my hair done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I may have done that, but I don't have enough hair to worry about. (laughs) So when we're using the defib, uh, one of the things that um, I've been told is that it depends on the reason of the heart attack. 
is if it's electrical or plumbing. Can you explain this to us? Correct. So if it's not anything to do with the electrical impulses of the heart, the AED won't work. Uh, you still leave it on in place because it helps to uh, keep your timing. It uh, talks you all the way through it. Uh, we do a lot of these courses and I tend to tell people it's NRL proof. I do teach a lot of the uh, NRL players how to use it. So if they can do it, pretty much anyone else in the world can. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to laugh then and you started laughing, Miranda, right? <laughs> So no offence to those NRL players that are listening to us first thing this morning, shout out to the Sharks. <laughs> so um, after your heart event, how was your rehabilitation? Uh, very, very slow. The lovely Wendy got me back into a uh, condition where I could function to some degree. Uh, I think I was probably one of her toughest tasks. No, um, not possible. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> we might leave that up to Wendy to decide. <laughs> uh, but uh, mine wasn't post-operation. Mine was pre. So. Uh, Wendy was trying to get me back a, a bit of quality of life. So over the six months until they worked out what was wrong with me, I went downhill very, very quickly. I got to the stage where I couldn't even walk up a flight of stairs without stopping for a break. Yep. Uh, so apparently that was time to do something. And Wendy got me back into a, a state where they could operate. A lot of people don't realise that you actually have to have a certain level of health and fitness before they can operate. Otherwise it's um, a waste of time. Yes, in most cases. <laughs> <laughs> so Wendy, can I ask about the rehab version of what you guys do because obviously we know what you do but can you explain to our listeners what you are actually what the path is that we go through so part of what we do is that emotional support um, for both patients and their family a lot of it's around education and then there's a physical rehab as well and you'll find most cardiac patients um, there's a big loss of confidence to get back to life again and just encouraging them to have a go is, is part of that but um, we do know with valve surgery or with heart transplants, we often have people for prehab, so we do get them to that level of fitness. So when they do have their surgery, their recovery is much, much faster. But unfortunately, a lot of the surgery is an emergency and we don't have that luxury. <laughs> so uh, during COVID, you've actually had to shut down the gym. How have you shifted your focus for your patients over this period? Um, well, of course, you've got this layer of COVID anxiety across everybody and then topping a cardiac condition with that, we're finding a lot of emotional issues, um, particularly now. So we're doing everything online. We meet the patients at the bedside, introduce ourselves and tell them what we've got to offer and follow up with emails, phone calls, video conferencing, um, and it's working really well. Um, we were a little bit worried about the older people in the community not having, being a little bit IT savvy, but probably 85 to 90% of even older people can manage some sort of communication with us, which is fabulous. I'm still waiting for my phone call, by the way, after the operation. It was only about six or seven years ago, Wendy, but you'll keep. <laughs> um, I think uh, to, to reiterate it, I think it's 70% mental and emotional and only really about 30% physical. Right? If you can get past the mental barrier of thinking you can't do it, uh, which you guys do an amazing job with getting people to that point, uh, once that's done, the rest is easy. Yeah, the emotional, the emotional recovery is huge and, and is often underestimated. I think that was something that we were discussing the other day. It's not just the emotional journey of the patient, it's also the emotional journey of the family around them as well. My mum watched my dad have heart attacks regularly, but his first heart event was actually while he was at work and he went and drove himself to Auburn Hospital. Um, but... With me, she was actually in the room and I think she felt guilty that she'd actually seen me have a heart attack and didn't recognise the signs. 
So how do you, how do you work with the, those kind of conversations with your patients and their families, Wendy? Often um, the patients come to the gym and we're saying, look, get on the bike, get on the treadmill, do this, do that, and they go home and the family says, no, Dad, don't do this, don't do that. No, it's, it's too much, you know, you're overexerting yourself. So we might invite the family to come along and just see what the um, patient does and is capable of doing. Um, but we've got pretty strict criteria that we work to and timeframes. And we just wanted to interject there. Sorry, Wendy. We've got Jess Prawn online. She, um, she wanted to say hi and she went to school with um, your daughter. Jess. Oh, Jess, hi, Jess. Jess Thorne. <laughs> oh, that was a bit confusing. Jess Prawn and then Jess Thorne. Is that, they're just so similar. <laughs> So she's, she's online. Hello, Jess. Thanks for joining us. We've also got um, Chris from the Local Business Awards is on. Man's Daydreamer, our amazing Amanda, is online. Sophie B, hello, my darling. Katie Q, uh, Maz, and, of course, Owen. So thank you, Owen, for tuning in before work this morning. And anyone else out there who's listening? Um, I'm interested to hear um, what kind of emotional support you give um, the patients when, when they come in. And, and also their families and what, what sort of programs have you got going on for them apart from what you've already mentioned? How do you support them in their journey? We, um, it's an individual assessment we have with them and sometimes a family member. Um, and then we do have open um, discussions around the emotional journey and recovery. Um, as a group, that's always challenging. Um, we do have um, people we can refer to, but I think involving the family and, and we, we make the point of when the patient's there, we'll, we'll have a little chat with the family on the side and just ask them how they're going. And the number of wives that will burst into tears, um, just being asked about how they're going because we do forget about the family's involvement. Yes, yeah. well, it's a, it's, it's a unit and um, Jacinta and I were talking about this the other day, how, uh, you know, when, when she went through her experience and how that changed the people around her and the, there is an impact, it's a direct impact and, uh, you know, when, when we go through these huge experiences and the whole family unit has to adjust to change and everyone's impacted, it makes everyone reflect on themselves and, you know, their own health as well. I can imagine that everyone would have to, kind of get in line with what's going on, get with the program, you know. So that, that, must be, that must be quite a big part of your job. We screen all of our patients for both anxiety and depression, both at the beginning of the program, halfway through and then at the end. Wow, that's, that's really thorough. Yeah. Fantastic. And Wendy, does it take long to work out whether the wives are burst into tears because the husbands are still around or...? <laughs> Good point. Maybe we should look at research around that. <laughs> and a little tip for anyone out there, do not get Wendy talking about the rugby. <laughs> I'm an all-black supporting. <laughs> we'll be signing off, Wendy, now. Yeah? Everyone's allowed to have a different team. You, you, they're supportive, Matt, as long as they're supportive. Yes, everyone's entitled to their own wrong opinion. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. But I think something that you were talking about the other day too, Nicole, was about um, meditation and becoming one with yourself. Yeah. Um, and Miranda was talking about it before that, you know, checking your heart rate. Um, I actually wear my Apple Watch constantly and before that it was a Garmin to make sure that my heart was not overbeating, my heart rate wasn't going overboard. 
But um, using meditation practices has actually helped bring down my anxiety and helped me learn to regulate my heart rate a lot more. So, you know, you were talking about that. Yeah. Oh, God, like I could talk about till the cows come home, really. Um, It's my whole job, really, as a yoga teacher um, and a youth mentor working with kids uh, that one of the biggest things that I've noticed is this high, higher heightened sense of anxiety out there. And uh, it does lead to increased, um, you know, heart, uh, high blood pressure or heart rate, whatever you want to call it. And yoga has this really beautiful way of bringing the body down into that parasympathetic nervous system state. And um, even meditation, breath work, um, you know, one of the things I do is the simplest things, this thing called a four, seven, eight breath. And you breathe in for the count of four, hold it for the count of seven, you breathe out slowly for the count of eight through your lips. And I teach that across the board to everyone, my corporate clients, the teenagers, uh, you know, in wellness centres. And it really does help to bring the body back to homeostasis, really calms the nervous system. Um, and yoga in itself um, is a cardiovascular activity and um, that keeps you fit and well. But, of course, there's so many other things that come along with it. Um, you know, there's this um, – you may have heard of the Heart Math Institute, if anyone's sort of done any – research in that area it's really fascinating how they can measure heart frequency and rate um, the heart is amazing you know I, I'm not an expert I'm, I'm surrounded by a medical person here so um, you know the heart is like 5,000 something like 5,000 times more powerful than the brain in some ways and um, when we get this thing called a coherence between heart and brain or body mind connection um, when you have this heart brain entrainment which is Really, uh, a lot of the part, a lot of the things that I teach in yoga is um, getting that communication, the head and the heart, and this I think that is um, part of the emotional well-being um, as a practice. It helps us to um, it really helps us to pro- process and digest a lot of emotions, um, which is really important I think in this day and age with where there's a lot of anxiety. Um, so just bringing people back to connection with themselves really is what it's all about, Jay. Um, and, yeah, as I said, there's, there's many ways of doing it, but you just get yourself along to a yoga class or start meditation. There's so many different types you can do. Uh, and if you are out there and you're struggling, um, you know, give it a go and reach out, reach out to someone and um, there's lots of help there. And a quick shout out to Mel C who does one of our podcasts and actually has a meditation, one that she did in one of her earlier episodes. So if you want to learn a little bit more more about meditation, Mel C's one is really brilliant. But I'm going to shoot back to Matt for a second because Matt has actually brought show and tell, which is really great for a podcast. Um, Love show and tell. Yeah. Um, What exactly do you have there, Matt? Uh, We've got an AED to show you how it works. And an AED for those that aren't acromaniacs. Automated automated external defibrillator. So tell me exactly what it is. Basically, this is a jump start for your heart, assuming there is an electrical issue with it. Very easy to use. Looks like a toy. Uh, That's why the uh, NRL players love them. Pretty simple. (laughs) It's probably so. That's why it does look like a toy. (laughs) Yes. Okay. It is really very straightforward. It talks to you. It says everything very slowly, talks you through the whole process step by step. 
Uh, tells you everything twice. It's a bit like using a GPS on your phone. It's annoyingly slow and usually has some sort of accent. <laughs> Simply put it on the person. The pictures show you where to put it. You don't have to remember. It's all there. Top right-hand side, bottom left. It's just like putting a seatbelt on in the driver's seat, okay? Put them on and it starts to analyse it. Now, if you put it on and they don't need the shock, it will not shock them, okay? You cannot override it. You cannot muck it up, okay? Very simple. Put it on. It'll ask you to stand clear of the patient because it will pick up your heartbeat if that's the case. Um, that's not going to help the patient too much if it picks up your heartbeat because you cannot shock them. Uh, every two minutes or so, it'll rotate through if it hasn't worked. If it doesn't work, you leave it on. It simply tells you whether you're pushing deep enough, whether you're uh, pushing fast enough. Um, the recommended ratio for, for um, compressions is 30 to 2 if you're doing the breaths or 120 a minute, which is pretty much hard work when you've got to push a third of the way into the chest. Uh, but these things are very easy to use. I recommend having them in any public area at all. I have to step back a second here. You said you can't overshock someone. No, so those wives that you were talking about before, <laughs> that they can't overshock the, the, those husbands. I cannot confirm nor deny those reasons. <laughs> However, you can't accidentally shock someone. So if it doesn't need the shock, it will not work. Wendy? Um, what we're seeing now is there's a lot more... Um, out-of-hospital cardiac arrests coming through with great survival rates because people have been using these AEDs in the community. Absolutely. And better trained CPR by the community too, yeah. so great outcomes there. Yeah, and look, the statistics say that if you haven't got the uh, AED on in the first three minutes, the chance of survival drops by 10% every minute after that. Yeah, that's um, heart, yeah, muscle death, isn't it? Yeah. So just really quickly, how can someone learn about this, Matt? Look, the best way to do it is a course. It's all about the confidence. You really don't learn that much, I'll be quite honest. You don't learn a lot, but you get the confidence to be able to help someone in a situation like this. You can contact us. You can contact any regular uh, provider. But if anyone's interested, contact us at training at afsgroup.net.au or 1300 Now, I'm just going to flick it back to Wendy just for a second because, I mean, our, our audience is predominantly women, so I'm – and. I know from the Heart Collective and that that a lot of women actually ignore their symptoms for a lot of reasons. Can you talk about that for a second for us? Um, I was really interested to hear you talk about pregnancy because pregnancy is a mini stress test um, for younger women, premenopausal women, right? So anyone who's had gestational diabetes, gestational hypertension or eclampsia during their pregnancy will probably go on and get those factors later on in life. So we're really encouraging this group of women in particular to have a cardiologist checkup. Now, the, 40, the 45's um, heart health check by GPs is covered by Medicare and we encourage all women to partake in that, irrespective of family history. And, of course, Sutherland Show has some of the best cardiologists. A shout-out to my favourite, of course, Dr Alastair Carlisle, who is my favourite doctor because he's been in my heart twice. And that's Aww. true. I mean, women usually don't put themselves first. Correct. Um, especially us mums, we'll put our children first, our husbands first, our parents first, and we're the ones who um, go without our exercise, leave our health to last, unfortunately. Um, and we are just as much at risk as our husbands. And you were saying to me the other day that um, – the statistics are that women have just as many heart attacks as men. Absolutely, unfortunately. Um, and the other important statistic, I think, is that 
um, three times as many women die from heart disease as breast cancer. Wow. So while we've done incredibly well improving um, with um, death rates in men, not quite as many um, improvements in mortality for women. Yeah, it, it, there is uh, – and what I was trying to get at earlier in the, the episode was the atypical um, symptoms – you know, when they say that to a woman, it's because the majority of the research has been done on male heart attacks. But you were saying um, there's a, a correlation with the estrogen levels in women as well. Mm-hmm. So premenopausal women um, are protected by high estrogen levels and low, um, and, and that responds to a good um, high cholesterol. Um, good, sorry. Good, high good cholesterol and a low bad cholesterol at that stage. And then as women go through menopause and the estrogen levels drop, we lose that protective factor and our, our bad cholesterol goes up and our good cholesterol drops. And that's where the 45-year-old checkup comes in. And it's important. So my last question is about September. Oh, yes. Let, let's have a little chat about all these medical support that we we provide. Tell us a little bit about how Sutherland Hospital is helping September. So we are raising money for cerebral palsy um, through September and we're all um, trying to get our 10,000 steps per day and the cardiac rehab team, the four of us have put in a team and it's called Sweethearts and it's a bit of a challenge for, you know, when you're sitting behind a desk pretty much eight hours a day. So I've started walking home from work um, and 10 o'clock the other night I realised I didn't have my 10,000 steps so I started pacing around the house to get my <laughs> remaining 1,000 <laughs> steps. <laughs> so um, it's a bit of a competition but, yeah, great cause. And I believe you walk down here and you're going to walk all the way yes. back up there. That's pretty impressive. I'm That's walking. Nice no, I got dropped off this morning. I'm, I'm definitely walking up there. <laughs> walking back up to hospital. Yes. Fantastic. Southern Shire Podcast Station is proudly bringing you new and exciting um, episodes of your favourite podcast series. Uh, this week we had Emma Castle's That Shit Show come out. Oh, my God, that was amazing. I listened to that the other day. With Petra King? Oh, my God. Tell me. Changed on, my life. Tell Changed, me about it. Oh, my God, she's amazing. She's like a, she is like a guru. Um, she's from Quest for Life and it's an amazing foundation. They, are, um, they rely very much upon donations and um, her journey in itself. She's had two near-death experiences. She's been through a lot of trauma. Wow, like just if you just do yourself a favour, I've already sent this one off to my friends this week, go to Shirepot and find That Shit Show by Emma Castle and listen to Petra King's episode and it will change your life. It relates to every single person on this planet. Honestly, she's a remarkable woman. So the next question I have for you, Nicole, is tell us a little bit more about your podcast. Ah, yes. So my most recent, okay, so the Empowerment Project podcast has uh, last week I was on the line to Darcy Stubbings from Connect Movement Physio and he's a yoga teacher and a a physiotherapist and he started off a um, business where he helps people to connect to themselves to find health and wellness uh, in a holistic way and he does really amazing online courses and we sort of went down the rabbit hole together and we had some really interesting conversations about his own personal journey through um, social anxiety, mental health, and as a man and I have a particular interest in men's mental health. So he's someone who's out there helping people and empowering people to um, look after their well-being through movement 
through meditation and through an inner journey, which um, is very inspiring, very inspiring to hear from a man. So um, you're also one of the Masterclass alumni from Shypod. Can I ask how that's helped with your podcasting journey? Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I did the Masterclass, I felt really confident. I was very green in the area. I had no presenting in the area of podcasting experience and um, what it gave me was this roadmap and and a direction and confidence and clear instructions on how to put my my podcast together, how to brand it, market it, um, get it supported, the whole the whole kit and caboodle, and uh, and also most importantly, I was given the chance to practice, and I think that that was uh, really important for me. Which is why you're on today, by the way. I, I'm oh, loving having you here. I love you. your energy. Thank you. And I love, love being watching here. your podcasts. Thank like you. Watching you work on them. Thanks. And uh, if you'd like to join the next masterclass session with the Shypod, it's starting again on the 3rd of October. For more information, check out the Facebook page or send us an email at hello at southernshypodcaststation.com. And we're also releasing the recorded version of the live broadcast where Pip and junior reporter Dylan were at the Gotcha for Life 24-hour row. And there's some great interviews and discussions about their cause that you don't want to miss. No. I mean, Dylan interviewing people is just so cute. Oh, she's gorgeous. Yep, gorgeous. Just a quick reminder too to all our listeners that it's still time to vote for your favourite Westfield local hero. Last year's winner Rob Cook was on our show a couple of weeks ago, but our regular guest and host for Shirepod, Sarah Jo from So Shire, has been nominated this year. However, feel free to check them all out at the Westfield website. Voting closes on the 14th of September. Now, Sarah Jo and the Soshire team and Sutherland Shire Environment Centre are hosting the Sutherland Shire Environment Centre AGM uh, to be held online with special guest speaker Sue Morley, a.k.a. Steel City Sue, from Climate Action Newcastle. More details on how you can attend the event is on their Facebook pages. Oh, just before we go on, I just want to give a shout out to we have a guest online uh, on from the Alignment of the Heart podcast and I uh, just want to say hi. Thanks for joining us. Um, and then also the 2020 New South Volunteer of the Year Awards was held this week. So we just want to send out a huge congrats to the winners. So Senior Volunteer of the Year went to John Douglas from Bonnet Bay who's been in the Wanda Surf Lifesaving Club for more than 40 years training hundreds of nippers and has made the beach a safer place as the coach to the rescue and resuscitation operations. And he has also volunteered as a coach with St Joseph's Junior Rugby League and basketball teams and also joined the community fight against the 1994 Janelli and Como bushfires. Yeah. John also received the 2020 New South Wales Volunteer of the Year Award for the Southern Sydney region. So congratulations, John. Congrats. And the Volunteer Team of the Year went to... Three Bridges Early Year Support located in Gomia. It's a vital in-home support for mothers who are vulnerable due to isolation and other barriers. And during COVID, their home visits became focused on online support and a drop-off of food and other practical assistance. Next week, we are at Bianchini's in Cronulla, one of my favourite places to go. So we're super excited to have podcaster Emma Castle on, as well as two times world boxing champ, Grant Bomabaka. And we wish all the dads a great Father's Day this weekend and tomorrow is Bacon Day. It's World Bacon Day. Well, world Bacon 
<laughs> well back in day. So don't forget to enjoy that too. Yep. So happy Father's Day to all those fathers. Until next time, you've been listening to the Been There podcast. Have a great day, guys. The Southside Local Platform is a community incentive and our aim is to help connect more customers with local businesses here in the Sutherland Shire using our systems. Now, one of the systems that we're using right now is a digital membership card to the Southside Local Platform. Uh, It uses mobile wallet technology. It allows customers to quickly create their membership with us and install that membership pass onto their phone quite easily. Um, Jump on our website, southsidelocal.com.au. Follow the prompts to create a digital card. Um, If you're a business owner, same thing. Jump on our website, follow the prompts to register your business, or you can jump onto our Instagram page. Again, the handle is just southsidelocal. Follow the link in our bio uh, and you can register yourself as a customer or a business owner.